let me tell you, it is, it, it's, it's, it's a culture shift. It's a mindset shift to get to a place. We're, we're going through this series called Time, Treasure, and, and Time, Talent, Treasure, and, and it is a culture shift to get to the place where we realize that all of these things are not ours, they're God's. And we can use them for the glory of God, right? And we have to get to the place where we realize this, you know what, this time, this isn't my time. God's blessed me with this time. He's given me the time on earth. I have no idea how long I have. And he's given me that time. And he wants me to use it, to be a good steward of it. My talent, my, my money, my treasure, my, my stuff, my skills, all of these things. Amen. We're going to talk about these uh, here this morning. We're going to continue in this series, Time, uh, Talent, Treasure. And we're going to go over 1 Peter chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn there, you can do that. Uh, I believe it will be on the screen behind me as well. But uh, let me just, I don't want to get, I'm not going to get too much in the first Peter because spoiler alert, in, in just a few weeks, we're going to launch into our summer series, which is actually going to be on first Peter. We're going to walk through the book of first Peter and it's going to be uh, a great time. And so uh, it's kind of actually while in preparation for that series coming up that this passage uh, really came to mind and came to heart. But uh, we're going to be in first Peter chapter four. But let me just say this. Um, if, if this, this teaching series hasn't gotten to you yet, I believe it will. All right, today we're going to cover the topic of talent, um, and, and what, we're, what we're looking at as, as talent is, is service of, of what God's blessed you with and, and the skills and the, the gifts. So we're going to talk about the gifts a little bit, the gifts that he's blessed you with and how uh, you're going to use those it for his glory and in his kingdom and in this house. Um, and so uh, we're going we're gonna to relate it to service and how we serve others, the community and the house of God. And then, and then next week we're going to hit on our treasures our treasures. Now, don't, I don't want you to check out on that one. Don't phone it in. Uh, hopefully, we'll get everybody back next Sunday. As I don't want anybody to stay home and miss because uh, specifically, we're gonna we're gonna touch on some different things. One of those things will obviously be uh, money because those are one of the these are the three biggest things I think that we that we struggle with that we struggle to let God have, and that's our time, our gifts, or our talents, or our skills, and and our money. Those are the things that we struggle to let go of. And so if you haven't been impacted by, by just the last two weeks on time, then, then listen in this week and next week because I think God's got something for you. Um, for me, the last two weeks were huge. I'm not saying I'm perfect with, with using my, my skills and my talents and, and, my, and serving, and I'm not perfect with money, but I'm way better off in both of those areas than I am with time. Time is where I struggle to, to give that to God and, and for God. And so Maybe for some of you, time wasn't your issue, but, but money is, or maybe serving is. So listen in these two weeks, because I believe God wants to challenge us, and I believe he wants us to grow in these areas. So the message title for this morning is Serve the City, Serve the House. Serve the City, Serve the House. And I don't know if we're going to get to everything that that entitle even implies, to be honest, because uh, this morning is going to be basically like a shotgun spray. All right, we could do an entire series on what it means to serve the Lord. We could just look at the example of, of Paul and his life and how he served God, and we can look at all the different things there, and, and that would be a whole series, a whole month or two just in and of itself. And so this is going to kind of be a bit of a shotgun spray, and we're going we're gonna to hit some overview. Really, we're going to hang out on, on this. So we have really just two passages, the one in First uh, Peter. We're going to look at another one in Ephesians, and those are really going to be our two working passages for this morning because we don't want to get, now I don't want to get necessarily too far out there, but so let's just read together 1 Peter 4, uh, starting in verse 7. 
The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, uh, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then verse 10 is where we're going we're gonna to draw the most from here in just a little while. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Peter's casting a vision here, church, for what community should look like. And it's not built, contrary to popular belief, it's not built around fun activities. It's not built around going to movies together in, in this place. After this, you can go to a movie if you want. It's not built around that. It's not built around playing games. It's not built around even ministries and programs. It's built around this idea of serving one another. That's, that's where community is truly built. Now, Peter's words are even more potent, I think, because of the way he starts this particular passage of Scripture. He says, he says this in verse 7. He says, the end of all things is near. He has this sense of urgency, this understanding that, that, that he has to distill all his advice and all his words of wisdom in just a few statements. And these statements, I believe, are this. You have been given a gift, and that gift has a purpose, and that purpose is to serve. You've been given a gift. That gift has a purpose, and that purpose is to serve. So the word serve here in the Greek, you guys know I like words. The word serve here in the Greek is a word that comes from, uh, from the noun uh, diakonos, which means a person who serves. Uh, we see this in, in a variation of it all over Scripture. I mentioned before, it's plastered throughout Scripture. And the Apostle Paul uses this noun to describe himself as a servant of the gospel, a servant of Christ. He's described as a servant of God and a servant of the new covenant and a servant of the church. He's described throughout the New Testament. This is the word that is used to, to describe him. So the audience that Peter is writing to is, is made up of people uh, who were on the outskirts, the margins of Roman society. In fact, Peter actually calls them uh, exiles and aliens as he addresses them because they've gone through hostility, they've gone through persecution. Uh, so it makes his word all the more striking, I think. Because when you see his words, essentially he's saying to the person out there, who barely has resource for yourself. You have, no, have nothing. You've been persecuted, marginalized, separated from society. You who have almost nothing, use your gift to serve others. So the person who's gone through persecution and has been beaten, who is at the end of their rope, who has very little access to anything, to that person, use your gift and serve others. And Peter is simply conveying a truth here that you can apply this uh, to your life, not just hear it, but apply it to your life and live it out. I believe this. If you actually apply this concept, it will absolutely change your life. This one truth will change the course of your relationships. Any relationship you have, I believe it will change. It can change your marriage. It can change your community. It, th this one truth right here, when you're in the highest need, give. When you're devoid of all comfort, serve. When everyone around you is taking, contribute. Man, what a truth. I think most of us will agree with Peter's sentiment here. That's good advice. Thank you, Robbie. I like that. Good job, Peter. Way to go. I agree with these words, right? 
But is our creed the same as our deed, church? We agree with it, but do we live it? We say yes, amen, preach it, we, we're with you. I mean, none of you said that, but maybe you were thinking it. Our, our vocal ones are on vacation, that's okay. But I, we agree with it, but do we do it? Is our statement of belief, does that line up with our resume of service, church? I'm challenged by, there's a man named uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a, a pastor and a theologian back in the early part of the 1900s. And he talks about the subject, and here's what he said. Nobody is too good for the lowest service. Those who worry about the loss of time entailed by such small external acts of helpfulness are usually taking their own work too seriously. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. I love that phrase. We want to be interrupted by God who will thwart our plans and frustrate our ways time and again, even daily by sending people across our paths with their demands and requests. Church, do we allow God to interrupt us? Or are we so focused, so determined, so, so hyper-focused on our plans and purpose that we don't hear the voice of God when he's speaking to us? Are we willing to allow God to interrupt our daily plans? I think every person in here today, every single one of us has a divine appointment this week. Did you know that? I think we have a divine appointment this week. Every one of us has something already set up. God has prepared something beforehand on our behalf for us to, for us to speak to somebody, to love somebody, to, to help somebody, to serve somebody. I believe that wholeheartedly. The question is this, are you going to show up to the meeting? Let me put it this way. What God sees as a divine appointment, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, we so often categorize as human interruption. But God has placed those things. He's worked on those things in advance for us to, to just step into. He's going to be with us in that. I love in Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work. Let me just, let me just pause here and say, I believe what Scripture says, that we are saved by grace through Christ Jesus. All right, that's, that's it. I know that, that there's a period at the end of that sentence. And I want you to understand that. I want you to know that. That's how we are saved. But the scriptures also say that we are called according to his purposes, that we are called to go and bear fruit. John, John 15 says this explicitly. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works that were prepared for us in advance, for us to walk into, to step into. It was prepared for God for us to walk into some divine appointments this week, next week, next month, next year. So let me tell you something. This week when you're walking through the parking lot at work, when you're walking through your office building, getting from place to place, when you're walking to that meeting, when you're walking through your school, will you walk with a little more purpose? Will you walk with purpose because you know that God has prepared these appointments in advance and he is in the details. So when you walk into one of those situations, you're walking knowing that God is in it. God is in it. He's prepared it. He's set it up. He's, he's allowed this to come to pass. He's with you, and he has a purpose in what we call human interruptions. He calls divine appointments. So God wants to work in us. He wants to work through us. Are we willing to let ourselves 
Uh, are we willing to put ourselves out there and allow him to use us in that way? Are we, are we going to, are we going to go into a, a place and mode of, of service? You know, at Legacy City, we believe that God has created us to serve God and to serve others, to serve God and to serve others. It's one of our core values. We believe in serving our city and our community wholeheartedly. It's one of our founding pillars, actually. And that starts not with a program or a ministry, but it starts with you serving right where you are, right in your homes, right in your neighborhoods, right in your communities, right in your workplaces, right in your schools. It starts with you serving right there, serving right where God has planted you in this season. It begins there. But it also begins here in the house of God, I believe. I mean, my goodness, if we can't bring ourselves to serve each other here, where we know and love one another, where we have Jesus Christ in common, how can we go out there and serve the people of the world? How are we going to serve the least, the last, and the lost if we can't even serve our own brothers and sisters? In your marriage, if you serve your spouse... I believe it will change the tone of your marriage. Service just, it just has this way of changing the tone of your friendships, your relationships. It changes the tone of those you work with and work for. If you serve the person sitting next to you in church, it changes the tone of that interaction. It changes the tone of people that, believe, that don't believe the way that you believe. Jesus was such a master at this idea. He was the, the master question asker. All right, he always had that question that would stump or challenge or invoke just such a very deep thought. That's the way he operated. That's the way he worked and the way he talked. And, and, and he would challenge us in that way. So now what was the question that Jesus asked most? More than any other question, four times, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he asked this question. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? Jesus. King Jesus, Savior Jesus, Son of God Jesus, what can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I serve you? This is how Jesus lived. This is our picture of Jesus. He came as a servant. And this is the question that I and, and anybody else who, who spends time with the, the VIPs, the, the, the first-time guests that come in these doors, how can I serve you. I, send an, I get to send an email out. I get to connect with every person who comes in uh, each week. And, and I send them an email and I, and I ask earnestly, one, how can I pray for you? Like, I'm going to pray for you when I send the email, no matter what. There's going to be prayer lifted up on your behalf. But if you have something specific, I would love to pray for something specific. But then I always say this, how can I serve you? And I try to let them know, like, I'm not, this is not lip service. I really want to know how can I serve you today? How can I serve you? I ask that God creates these divine appointments each and every Sunday and, and that, that I and others have the distinct honor and pleasure to serve someone. What if your Sunday serve team was known for asking this question? Those of you who serve on a team on Sundays, what if your team was known for asking this question? How can I serve you? What if, what if you and your roommate or you and your family were known in the community or in your neighborhood for asking that question to each other. How can I serve you? What if our church was known in this community by asking that question? That is a church that serves. 
they love and they care for the community and they serve the community. They really want to know, how can I serve you? So I think when you ask this question, two things happen. Number one, it forces you into a place of readiness to actually serve those around you because it's hard to ask that question and to get an answer back. And if you're not ready, then, then you're kind of just sitting there with a blank look on your face. You've got to actually be ready to serve those around you. What if you tested this out for a week? Try every single conversation, interaction you have with people. Try and ask, how can I serve you? How can I help you? What can I do for you? Let me tell you something. I believe it changes the way you think about relationships. It will change the way you go into conversations because you'll be forced to be ready to actually do and follow through with what you're asking. It's tough. It changes you. The second thing that happens if you ask this question is it changes the person you're interacting with. When you know that someone has your best interest in mind, doesn't it change the way that you view that person? When you know that they really care, Defenses fall, the walls come down, they're open in a different way to the relationship and to what God might want to do through you. Can I dig a little deeper? When's the last time you've asked your spouse, how can I serve you? I'm preaching to myself here. I, I don't want to ask that question because sometimes I already know what she's going to tell me and I don't want to do it, so I don't want to ask. I already know how I can serve so I'm going to just clam up for a minute. When is the last time you asked God, what can I do for you, God? God, this is your day. You have divine appointments for me. What can I do today? How can I walk with you, God? How can I better follow you? What can I do to serve you? Let's go back to 1 Peter. Let's focus in on 1 Peter 4.10. Uh, the very first phrase is this. As each has. The New Living says, uh, said, God has given each of you a gift. So every single person in this room, every single one of you, every person has a gift. All right? If you are a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, you have a gift. And we, I believe, drastically undervalue the gifts that God has given us. Would you agree? I love the way that Max Lucado puts it. He said this. Uh, he's a book called The Cure for the Common Life. And he said, Da Vinci uh, painted the Mona Lisa, one Mona Lisa, Beethoven created one-fifth symphony and, symphony, and God made one version of you. You are it. You are the only you there is. The only you there is. You're the only shot we have at you. You can do something no one else can do in a fashion no one else can do it. You are more than a coincidence of chromosomes and heredity, more than just an assemblage of somebody else's lineage. You are uniquely made. Such a beautiful picture. So the question is, then what gift lies within us? Another guy named Eric Reese, he wrote a great book that's a wonderful resource for this topic. Um, you can check it out. It's called Shape. S-H-A-P-E, uh, finding and fulfilling your unique purpose for life. And he identifies five categories that I think can help us regarding our uniqueness. And if you've ever, there's like, this is part of some personality test. Like this book has been used for different personality tests along the way. The first is this, spiritual gifts. That's the S in shape. Spiritual gifts is a set of special abilities from God. We see these in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. We see a list of about 20 gifts that are compiled throughout Scripture. And I wish we had time to go into each one of these but we don't. So we're not going to do that here this morning. Uh, and, but, but I encourage you to take some time to study and to read over and pray over these different giftings and to see which one might jump out at you. And as you study over them and pray over them, there, there's just this like kaleidoscopic meaning to many of these. So, so I'm going to pull out one. 
Take uh, prophecy, for instance. We think of prophecy as a foretelling the future. Right? That's probably what came to mind when I, think, when I say the word prophecy. You're, you're probably thinking, like, foretelling the future, like looking into the future. Maybe you're thinking crystal balls. I'm not sure. Like, you, you're just trying to figure out tarot cards. I don't know. But, but that's what we think of when we think of prophecy. But in actuality, the original Greek meaning is setting forth the truth. Setting forth the truth. It's interesting. As, as, a, as a church culture, I think we shy away from this word prophecy because we're afraid of it, because we don't understand it, because we don't know. But it's just setting forth the truth. If you receive revelations and you like to share the revelations you get from the Lord or from the Scripture, then that is prophetic. If you like to speak the truth of Scriptures to others, which I hope many of us do, that's prophetic. If you like to share things about somebody else that they don't know that is true, then that's prophetic. So we gain understanding as we really dig into and study the gifts that are put within the scripture. All right, so first is a spiritual gift. Second is heart. This feels self-explanatory, the heart, but the pa- where's your passion? Uh, there are passions that God has given you that you can glorify him with. Uh, so there's like a couple questions you can ask to identify what's, what's my passion. Like uh, what, are, what are needs that you love to meet? How do you love meeting those needs? What lessons have you learned that you can pass on to others? Like this is kind of one of those things that, that shapes you. Uh, to use the word. Uh, third is abilities. These are talents uh, that, that God has given us from birth. They're in our DNA. Understand the gifts do not come with birth. These are, these are imbued in us when the Holy Spirit takes a residence in our lives. But the talents, like these abilities, these are ones that come with us through our DNA. These are things that we're given uh, as, we're, as we're born in our, in our God-given gifts, uh, abilities, and talents. And he gave them from the very beginning. Then there's the fourth is personality. God wired us to navigate the seas of our life with our own flair and our own uniqueness and our own style and our own way and that's our personality and that shapes us and that identifies us and the fifth is experiences this is just our path Uh, this is the path that we've been on the past that God has given us it could be good or bad it could be negative or positive but whatever your past is God actually wants to use it I believe and redeem it you say you don't know my past Ravi it's rough But God wants to use it, and he wants to redeem it. And he wants to see that past turn into something for his glory and for our good. Right? So don't discount your experiences. Your past is something that, that, that you have to get over and get beyond, but God can use that. 2 Corinthians 1, he can use the exact thing as your greatest point of ministry that you just went through, that you went through in the past. All right, so we don't, we don't just understand his giftings, I believe, though, by going through an assessment. Like, these assessments are helpful. Shape is really helpful. That book is a, is a good read if you want to get into it. But we, we can't just understand it by going through an assessment. I think sometimes we get discovery the wrong way, and we think, okay, I've got to figure out how God has gifted me, and then I'll figure out what ministry I want to join. And while we want you to be able to serve, to, to relate it to the house of God, we want you to be able to serve the house in the place where you feel the most comfortable and where you feel the most gifted and talented at, I think it can actually sometimes be the opposite. If you don't know your gifting, but you think, I need to start serving and getting involved, then just do that. Because I believe that God reveals the giftings that are within us as we serve along the way sometimes. Sometimes you think your gifting is one area, 
And so you start serving there, and you realize, wow, my gifting is actually way over here. He just begins to reveal that to you throughout time. I want to embarrass somebody. I think of Jordan up here on stage. He was singing for us this morning, and and I've and I've I've served alongside him for seven or more years in worship. And Jordan doesn't just serve. I believe he brings he brings the passion every time. And, and honestly, I think there's a prophetic gifting in Jordan that comes out through his worship in a way that he's able to speak and convey truth in a powerful way, just through the songs that he's singing and his interaction with his team and his band. He told me something a couple of days ago, and I hope, hope he doesn't mind me sharing because uh, I don't think it's very personal, but it's something that we can all relate to. He said, I don't always feel like getting up and loading everything into the theater and singing every Sunday morning. Songs that we may or may not have had a chance to practice. That's the gist, at least. I may have added a little something to it. I don't know. but. And I think we've all felt that at some point with life, with church, with work, with family. But you see, the thing is, is that Jordan knows he has gifts to use. And the church is a place where he can share his gifts. And he understands that there is a duty to his gift. All right, that'll preach right there, church. There is a duty to our gifts. If God has given you something, if he's placed something in you, in your heart and in your life, and he's put something over you, there's a duty there. We're not supposed to hide that. We're not supposed to hold that. We're not supposed to, to lock it up and keep it for ourselves. It's to be used for the glory of God. So let's get back into 1 Peter 4.10. That's what he says. Use it to serve one another. We all have gifts. Each one of us has a gift. Use it to serve one another. Each of you should use whatever gift you have uh, received to serve others. There are probably some of us in here today who would, who would say, like, I just need to focus on me right now. I don't really have time. I don't have the ability. I just need to focus on my personal health right now. So just a couple of thoughts to consider. Let me help you out. First, there's this. There's this huge like uptake in social science understanding the link between serving and personal health. And this is, there's this group, I was reading this, there's a study, a group in the UK that synthesized 40 different studies over 20 years, and here's what they found. They, they, they did a study on studies, and they, they put all these studies together, and they realized something. They came, to a, they came to an understanding, they found a pattern of regular serving meant less depression and less stress and less heart disease. Interesting. So I serve a lot, so I guess I can eat all the red meat I want. That's kind of what I take away from this. Bacon will abound in my house. In teens, far less drug use and less unplanned pregnancy. Even if the service was less than voluntary, parents, less than voluntary. Let's go. The summary was that people who serve are healthier mentally, physically, and have better immune systems. They live longer and have a higher self-esteem and ultimately have a better quality of life. This is, this is a secular study. All right, This is not a study done by church. This is not something that pastors got together and said, hey, we need to fill a bunch of holes in our ministry, so what do we need to say to get people in here and to get people serving? No, this is done by, uh, this is done by a secular study in a secular country, the United Kingdom. The second thing is this. I wonder if a few of us need to shift our focus. We have this focus on personal happiness. And maybe the desired end is not achieved by pursuing personal happiness. Just maybe. 
There's another author, uh, she's actually a psychologist named Emily Smith, who argues this point, again, from a secular standpoint. She talks about a study that was done in, in 2013, and her thesis is this, the more you pursue happiness, the less you are happy. It's a study of, of psychologists from FSU, and what they find is the pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of meaning are often at odds. The pursuit of happiness was linked to selfish behavior, but the pursuit of meaning was linked to contributing to something beyond oneself. So we find that serving church leads to meaning. Serving leads, and, he, and here's, what, here's what she said. She says, meaning is not something we create in and for ourselves. Rather, meaning lies largely in others. Come on, church. God is working in the secular world, working in science and psychology, and they don't even know it. Only in focusing on others do we build belonging for ourselves and for them. It's an amazing Amazing thing. Andy Stanley puts it this way. If you continue to serve yourself, you will end up by yourself. I've always loved that quote. If you continue to serve yourself, you're just going to end up by yourself. So Ephesians 2.10, remember we read that a moment ago. We are God's masterpiece. We are God's workmanship. The NIV says we are God's, we are handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works that he has prepared in advance for us. So here's the deal. Every time we serve, it's an assault, an attack on the self-centeredness that controls us. It's just like every time you give, it attacks the greed that so easily encompasses and entangles our lives. So what's the purpose of these gifts? The gifts of God are not given just for us. The gifts from God are intended, aren't intended to satisfy us and, our, and our, our selfish desires. They're intended to satisfy others. And in satisfying others, meaning comes back to us. And this is the beautiful cycle that happens. 1 Peter 4.10, use it to serve one another. Here's the last part of this. As good stewards of God's varied grace. One of my favorite sayings in, in, in all of scripture is, uh, it comes out of 2 Timothy 1.6. It, it says, fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into flame the gift of God. So what are we fanning into flame? What are these gifts that are sometimes invisible, some things that, that maybe have been dormant, some things that have been unused, but all of a sudden a spark comes and that spark is the Holy Spirit and that fire starts and we begin to fan into flame what God can do in our community, what God can do in our workplaces, what God can do in our church. Fan into flame the gift of God within you. Let me clarify because I just want to make sure just because you serve, it doesn't mean you are using your giftings. I don't know if you knew that. Some of us have served and we haven't used our giftings at all. And you know what that leads to? Burnout. Instead of us fanning the flame of the gift of God, we burn out. It fizzles. It dies. Serving doesn't always feel good when that's the case. So let me just give you three quick things and we'll be done this morning. How do you get the most out of serving? I told you it's a shotgun spray. I wish I could spend like so much more time on each of these points. I want to share three quick practical tips. How to serve. How to serve. This could be whether you're uh, serving or, or you used to be serving or you're not serving, whether in the church or in the community or wherever you're at. I want, to rem I want you to remember three quick things. Number one, remember who you are serving. Remember who you are serving. Remember when Jesus comes along and the man says, I never saw you and I never met you. Maybe you remember that passage. 
And Jesus said, uh, I came as a hungry man. I came as a thirsty man. I came as a man who needed clothing. And, and, but you shut me out and you wouldn't let me in. That was, that was me. So know who you are serving. When you serve somebody, it's not just that person. When you serve somebody, it's not just that person. You're serving God himself. You're serving Christ Jesus. When you have a task, the most meaningless task that you think you were given at work, the task that is below your pay grade, the task that is below your title, the task that you did not go to four years of college to have to do this task. You serve and do that task because you're serving God. You're serving Christ. You're serving each other. Number two, add your flavor. Add your flavor. Own it. When you're serving, just be there. Use your personality. Use your experiences. Use your past. Add your flavor. This is what we've been talking about, your uniqueness. I think about our first Saturday serve days with Habitat. We go to Habitat for Humanity on the first Saturday of, uh, of, of every month, and, and we, get to, we get to serve there, and, and not everybody knows how to do construction, and that's Okay. Because there's other things to do. There's a lot of stuff to do. And everybody gets to add their own flair and their own uniqueness to it. So, so wherever you serve, how you serve, you, you get to add who you are to it. You don't just have to, uh, to go by a list and do these rules and do these things and show up at this time and leave at this time and, and make sure X, Y, and Z is accomplished. No, add your flair to it. Make it yours. Own it. Add your giftings to the mix. That's what they're there for. We want you to do that. Third thing, insert prayer. And this should be the first thing. This is not in any particular order. Insert prayer. Prayer opens up our eyes, church, to the need. You might say, there is no need in front of me. You might say, I, I, don't, I haven't seen a need. I served all morning and I didn't see a single need. Prayer opens up our eyes to the need that is there. It's sometimes invisible. You're talking to a person, you think they're doing great, but there is a need sometimes there underneath the surface. Prayer opens up your eyes to the needs that are all around you. We tell our teams every Sunday to show up expectant and to serve with excellence. Show up expectant, expecting God to show up, expecting God to speak to you, expecting God to move, expecting God to reveal things to you that you couldn't see on your own. We show up that way. So for us as we sit here, we can think about what gift we do or don't have. We can think about how we can use this gift and, and what assessments we need to take. But at the end of the day, we need, to, we need to get out and we need to light a fire. We need to let God fan that flame. We need to figure out how to use what God has put within us. Because we are called to fan and to flame the gifts of God. You have a gift sitting within you. And I wonder this morning, is this sitting there dormant? Have you used it? Have you tapped into it? Did you know that as a church, we need that gift? That's the body of Christ. He gave it to us so that as a body of Christ, we can come together, each bringing our own individual gifts, our own individual uniqueness. And in doing so, he can build something amazing in his name and for his glory. He can use those. We need each other. We need each other's gifts. Jordan and I took an assessment a while back, and um, my, my, my number one was, I believe, hospitality. I think I, my, my spiritual gift, like, off the charts on hospitality. And 
my very, very lowest one was mercy. I mean, it was, it was rock bottom. I am apparently, apparently not a very merciful person. Jordan's top one was mercy. We balance each other out. You see how that works. And I'm sure there's other instances with other people, but it works together in that way. We need each other to use these gifts. Maybe you're in here this morning, you say, I don't have that much to offer. I don't know what my gifts are. I feel worthless. Number one, that's not scriptural. Scriptures say that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, church, that you are made in the image of God. You are unique in the sight of Christ. Number two, it just takes some discovery to go from worthless to priceless. You can discover what gift God has placed in your heart and in your life if you just step out there and start serving others. It can be small. Start serving and see what spark God ignites. And once you see the hint of that spark, man, you fan the flame and you get it going. Because God's going to do something radical in your life and the lives of those around you. I want to pray over us uh, real quick. And then we're going to actually enter into a, a time of prayer together as a church as we do uh, every Sunday. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for a simple challenge this morning. We pray, God, that this message would not just be informational, but that it would be formational in our lives. I pray that you would make us a church that serves, that you would help us to be known for the questions we ask that are similar to what you ask. How can we serve the kingdom of God? How can we serve our city? How can we serve families and children? Lord, help us to model this to those around us. One of the greatest fears I have, Lord, is that we would just be a gathering of people. So, Father, I know that this is not your calling. Your calling is that we would be disciples of Christ. And to be a disciple, you did not allow the disciples to follow you. You sent them out. You allowed them to do ministry. You enacted in spiritual gifts within them, and you used those for your purposes. So, Lord, I pray today that no gift would go uncovered among us. Lord, that no gift would be refrained from being used because of our lack of awareness or laziness. I pray that we will be willing to step out in faith and serve those around us, to serve the community, serve the city, and serve the house. We pray today that you would challenge us and help us to put this message into action.